This is episode number 226 of the Rising Man podcast with Sean Berry. All the wisdom we need is right out there in the wilderness. What's up, Rising Man family? Thank you for joining me here today. This is Jetty Azuma checking in with another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to let you all know that it is compass season. Yes, for those of you who have been waiting for your opportunity to join us for a ceremonial rite of passage, four-day solo wilderness fasting out in the middle of nowhere, your time has come. We finally released our 2023 dates and enrollment season is open. Go to risingman.org slash compass to get yourself on the list and applied for a seat. They're going to go fast. We only have 10 spots for each of our opportunities. And then if you don't get in this year, you're going to have to wait till 2024. So go ahead to risingman.org slash compass. Get yourself signed up today. All right. My guest today is a man that y'all should know really well if you've been listening. Sean Berry is a founding father in the Rising Man movement. He is one of our lead guides for Compass and the host of the First Nature segment on the Rising Man podcast. He moved to LA and got into the biz as a motion graphics artist, first experienced Vision Fast about 20 years ago. He served as a wild wilderness guide ever since, leading men on Vision Fast, studying sustainable living practices and wilderness skills, and bringing people into closer relationship with nature. Sean was my Vision Fast guide back in 2014. In the past 10 years, we've developed a really strong relationship and bond, especially these days because we are building this Rising Man movement together. In this episode, Sean and I recorded live from Death Valley, California. While on site for one of our Compass experiences, we were inspired to revisit the role of rites of passage in our communities and record it to share it with you. We discussed the beauty and simplicity of being off the grid and how we must contend with the construct of society every time we've returned from being away why it seems like such a big effort for men to take this time away to retreat to nature and why it can be so transformational. Lastly, we talked about how men can create a life by design, starting with one bold leap. This and so much more, without further ado, Sean Berry. All right, Rising Man family, here we are on site, beautiful outskirts of Death Valley here with seven men fasting behind us on day two of their fast for compass i'm here with the one the only sean berry it's good to be out here with you man yeah really good to be out here too can't think of a better place to be have this kind of conversation yeah it's a different vibe yeah. we're, we're day two mellow vibes right now yeah all the, yeah all the great reflections that come in with so much of that stillness yeah and it's just nice to have a conversation in context you know instead of just the theoretical back in the, the modern world of what we're doing usually. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird sitting in a house with four walls with a microphone in front of our faces trying to talk about this. Yeah. And really capture what this is. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's hard enough to capture it in words anyway. You know, so at least a little visual reference is helpful if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we've had so many great conversations over the years, Sean. Uh, for those folks who don't know, you took me out on my fast in 2014 and in the past four or five years we've been working to bring more and more men across the threshold here and one of the conversations that we really wanted to have today was about this model for what the new world can look like and uh, an old model that we need for this new world so yeah what's your thoughts on that yeah i think more than ever um it's something i've been saying frequently and which is uh you know it's it's I believe the earth wants us to be nature connected to it, wants to be connected to it. And if you just look 
at the course of humanity over the tens of thousands of, you know, however far back you want to go, it's a long time that we were sort of in that synchronous, you know, uh, link up with just living in good relationship with the earth. And then somewhere um, we started doing things differently. And now, um, and now everyone's nature aware just because of the headline news. Like everyone knows what's going on in the planet. Um, and it does seem like it's really time for us to be taking a look at like what, how did we get here? What, how, what is the actions and choices and ideals and uh, concepts around <clears throat> success and, you know, progress, you know, progressing into the future brought us, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think about that a lot too. I've been in conversation with a lot of men over the years and we're always talking about vision and mission and what am I creating in my life? And there's that, that masculine direction that we have as men. And I think for many of us, I know I for sure at times feel that there's this sense of achievement or accomplishment that needs to be associated with what vision looks like or that the sky, the size or scale of my vision is relative to how much success I had as a man. Did I, did I do the best that I possibly could? And then it seems like every time we come out here, I'm just reminded of how, how simple it really is to make an impact, you know, how simple, not easy, but how simple it is to really make an impact that lasts. And I know you and I were just discussing these past couple of days about how to, how to get men to really see that there is a way for you to build a life that is not only fulfilling to you, but is service driven and impactful to the people around you without it having to be some large spectacle of a vision. And I don't know, something about being out here, you know, you and I talk about how the pace just seems to slow down. There's, we're, we're tethered to less of the outside world and it doesn't feel like we actually need to do much more than just be who we already are. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, I, I almost said a strange phenomena, but I actually think the strange phenomena is how we live in the modern world. That's a strange phenomena because mm. it does feel a uh, very, you know, I don't feel, I don't want to be busy out here. Like it, it feels great just to, um, to contend with just the, what feels like might be almost boredom, but isn't really boredom. It's just the sense of there's time to be aware. There's time to be present. There's time to have meaningful conversation. Like every conversation is meaningful out here and, um, or funny or humorous, you know, it's like, and, um, and I find that just really fulfilling in and of itself. So yeah, then I start to get into this questioning mind of, of knowing that in a few days we'll, we'll all of us, you know, we'll be going back to the lives that are waiting for us and the culture and um, conditions we've created about what is supposed to generate success for us. And it's there's always a little bit of a, a what do they call it when you uh, travel somewhere and then you leave and come back and you have a culture shock. There's a little mm. bit of a culture shock, which is really interesting to think about um, what's waiting for us to contend with. And yeah, while there's always going to be the, the conveniences and comfort that feel good to come back to, I don't think, at least for the conversations we have out here with men who are coming in, that's never their concern. They're never worried about, they're never, they're never like, oh, I can't wait to, I guess the most important thing is to like be sleeping in my bed and eating a good meal. Like, yes, they want to do that. But when we really have the conversations about what's important, the real the real concerns are how this experience of them getting in touch with who they truly believe they should be, the rightness of the authenticity and the, the vision of their 
best self is in a lot of times in conflict with a lot of the things they've set up to live their life out, you know, back down there. Yeah, it's one of the things that seems so obvious out here is how much we're contending with the world when we step back onto the road, onto the pavement, when we step out of these spaces where it's it's so clear and it's so simple to see who we really are, that we go back out into the world and we're literally contending. It's like shooting yourself in the foot. We're literally contending with all of these constructs of society, comfy beds, taxes, bills, keeping up certain images and connections and contact with people. And one of the things we were talking about this morning was really encouraging guys to, to audit your life, <laughs> like really take a good look at what your life looks like and decide how much of that actually fits in with what I want. How much of that actually fits in with what I want to be creating today? How much of what I'm doing today actually fits in with the life in the world that I want to see? Because so many of us, I know I've definitely feel this way at times that I'm living in, an, in, a, in a world and in an existence that doesn't actually feel right to me. But I continue to do that. I continue to perpetuate it because I don't know what else to do mm-hmm. or how else to do that. And that's really the battle. And I know that's been a very personal journey for you, especially in these past one year, two years of really discovering what that looks like. So, yeah. so what have you discovered in that time of figuring out that world you want to live in? Yeah, <clears throat> it's, it's been... Um... What have I learned? Well, first, I'd like to say that, you know, I'm privileged to explore and experiment with following that inkling only because I don't have kids. I don't have a partner that I'm committed to or a partner, period. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a car payment. I don't have a, a, a career where there's people depending on me to show up every day and do what I do. So, uh, and, and both, some of that's by choice. Some of that's but some of that's by results of making other choices that kind of resulted in those things happening. And what I've been learning from having the spaciousness and the time to just be focused up on, you know, incorporation. What we call incorporation. You know, what happens when you come out of the fast and to go back to your world and, and try to bring that uh, that vision of the self, the, the the best self you can be, and try to then start living into your world as that person, what it really takes. And the, I did a rite of passage in 2016, which is roughly seven years ago. And uh, that was the third time I had done a rite of passage. And also having been a guide, I'm very familiar with, you know, the show and what's ex- the expectations and what's going to happen and all that stuff. But I can really say uh, I've been surprised by how potently and powerfully uh, and how long it can take for the manifestation of that vision of self to actually show up in the, in the physical world around me, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, when guys come out of, the, out of the threshold, that fifth morning, you know, internal transformation happens like in an instant. Right? The internal world can change how you view the world instantly. There's, there's no, there's nothing, it's, there's, it's non-material. So there's no resistance. But then going back into the actual physical world of, you know, like rocks and things and structures and buildings and vehicles and peop, other people, all this stuff, then it's the ripple effect can take time to sort of move through all these, you know, levels of material. And, uh, and I'm just finding that 
yeah, more and more as I get more and more connected to uh, the empowerment that's within that self, I visualize for myself and taking actions based on that empowerment. It's a little scary in the sense that more and more and more, I don't really want to, I don't, I'm losing my interest more and more to be engaged in this um, culture and society we've created. Mm-hmm. Um, for better or for worse, you know, so I guess to wrap that little segment up, just saying that what I've learned is that it can take time. It can take a lot of time, even <clears throat> even if you know it, what this is about and have all the time and space in the world like I have. It's still it's still taking me almost seven years mm. to, st- to start to feel like that incorporation is really taking hold. <clears throat> and second to that, um, it feels good in a lot of ways, but also just becomes more and more like, where is this going? It's it's a little scary. And so I've learned to learn it, lean into this idea of faith a lot more, like faith in practice as opposed to faith in idea. And I've also learned how to lean into my community and my support system more realistically, more than I ever have before, because I've found myself in situations that are producing emotions and uh, stories in my head about what's going to happen because I can't really tell where this is going. And usually those pictures and ideas aren't good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's been really important to lean into my brotherhood and also my sisterhood to um, just bounce those stories. And, and I'm telling myself about where is this going and how it's not good and just get that support and the outside perspective um, to help me just sort of like normalize, like I'm on the right path, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on the right path. In fact, the more and more I kind of follow this path, the more and more support and, um, and affirmation I'm getting. Mm-hmm. which is really interesting. So it brings up a thought for me that a lot of times in personal development work, you know, personal growth work, we're often talking about stories that we want to crumple up and throw out mm. about ourselves, about our about the world, about the reality that we've lived in or what we've what I've believed about myself up until now. But there's the other side of that of building up the stories that we want to believe about ourselves. At the end of the day, they're all stories. And the story that I tell myself about who I am and what I'm bringing to the world, how I reference myself and, and create an identity and a direction forward, it needs a community to hold that. In the same way that those old stories that I don't want to hold on to, sometimes I've had to distance myself from that community or those people who reflect back that story that I don't want to hold on to anymore. Yeah. And so we talk about, just for context purposes, for everyone who doesn't know what Compass is, Compass is a, a, a rite of passage ceremony that we offer here in Rising Man with two months of what we call severance, the process of letting go of, releasing, preparing for transformation. Doing that audit. Doing that audit, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> looking at life, right? Like reviewing that whole chapter and saying, what's worked, what hasn't, what is what gets to stick around, what needs to go. And then threshold where we are now, you know, the four days of solo wilderness fasting by yourself out there behind where we are. And then incorporation. Incorporation, but, you know, that, that hardest step of bringing that clarity from the world out here and applying that to the life that's waiting back home. So in the spirit of that, just um, focusing in on the incorporation piece, whether people are participating in a rite of passage or not, this idea of creating an environment for ourselves, a container or a structure, if you will, that can hold the story that I want to believe about myself so that when I have doubts, I can bounce off of the wall and come back to center. Or when it's really difficult, I can whether it's a conversation or a a, a community event that just keeps me 
close enough to the path so that I don't veer all the way off. Um, what do you think that looks like for people? Like actually looks like for people? Because the concept of it is great, but the application of it is really the challenge. Yeah, it's a real challenge. And um, I think there's a trend in our just general kind of, you know, Western, you know, especially American society and culture too, where there's, uh, you know, we're in this wonderful age of access and information and ideas and concepts, and, you know, all the, all, the way, all the ways that people are using their creativity to put together programs to offer people opportunity to, um, to be in that process of discovery and then application. And, um, and the diff- most difficult part is is how to how to support that that realize that new realization or transformation if it's that powerful or new way of being, um, and I know for me the number one thing is it has to be again it has to be like is there one person who's that you know who's that first one person you would go to, um, and a lot of times it's not it's better if it's someone who's not directly involved in your day-to-day life where there's there may be conflicts of interest you know tethers and attachments tethers and attachments you know um so getting a mentor or, or an elder or having an uncle or someone at work you know or a good friend that's you know basically just finding that you know i guess for me it's like coming to a point in life where it, you have this idea that comes back, comes back, comes back. You don't act on it, don't act on it, but I kind of want to, but I don't know how to, but finally you decide and you start to, you, I find myself starting to talk about it. You know, it's like, I'm thinking about doing this thing or I, I want to really, you know, want to change this part of my life. And, and, and believe it or not, that's actually enrolling. That's, you know, that is the nature of enrolling is you start communicating a vision of yourself, whether you're intending to or not, just because you're, there's something in you desiring change mm. that sees a better version of yourself out there doing things in a different way. And finding that one, that first one person who you can really sit down and in a very conscious, uh, deliberate way communicates the entirety of uh, where you're at <laughs> and where you want to be. And then have that person uh, just help you thresh out the, you know, the steps to begin that journey of moving through that space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so words like accountability and support and checking in. And, um, and also, I think it's important to, to define that relationship really cleanly, really clearly. So whatever you're calling them, a good friend, an elder, a mentor, whatever, that there's those moments and times where you're stepping into that space with them in those roles and you stay in that role. So it, again, it keeps it really clean. And, um, and, and, you know, from that one person, then it's like, you know, the more people you can get around you are helping you mm-hmm. support you and hold that space and that vision for yourself. And the more, you know, I'll just say one example that's, I was just sharing with you yesterday, but my friend Katrina, who, um, so I've been doing this writing project and it's been this, you know, I don't really consider myself, I haven't never considered myself a writer, but it's just this thing I started a few years ago and it's been become book length. And I'm just like, what am I doing? I'm spending all this time, this huge writing project and people know about it, but I've also been kind of keeping it a little bit on the download. Cause I'm like, I don't know that this is even really a valid thing. And, 
and kind of reluctant to enroll that support because I didn't want to disappoint people or I didn't know how committed I was going to be to it. And if I got a bunch of people who were like behind me and then I was like, yeah, stop doing it. Then it's like disappointing to them. And, mm. but I, it's really gotten to a point where I, I did share it with a few um, people and Katrina was one of them. And she just recently had a friend who got a, a publishing deal with a book and one thing led to another and she's like, Hey, I talked to my friend and he can get your, you know, manuscript in for a look with this, you know, publisher, the, the actual editor, you know, not an agent, not someone like the top person. Right. And I was like, wow, great. Okay. And, and she, uh, she writes as well. So, and I trust her opinion and, you know, her, uh, you know, her sensibilities. And so she spent, you know, anywhere from like six to eight hours over two days before we came out here because we had to get it done before I came out here. Right. Helping me write a cover letter and and writing basically a synopsis of this book, which I haven't done yet. And then taking a 1500 word excerpt and cleaning it up and getting the verbiage right and all this stuff. And to me, that what that made the as the idea, the, the vision of me being a writer that much more real because here was someone who saw who saw who took their time and and when you know without me even asking they're like oh my friend Sean like da 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 you know and so getting people around you who are really willing and wanting to see you in the way that you want to see yourself it's like one of the best mirrors mm -hmm. you know it's one of the best mirrors because this I mean I can speak from my own experience. I still don't know if this thing is ever going to see the light of day in the way that I think it could. It might be a pile of crap. I don't know, you know, but the only way that's going to, I'm going to keep going into that place of unknowing is having people behind me who are like, you can do this. We know you can do this. I'm help. I want to help you do this. I, I believe that this is a good thing. And that's incredibly powerful to have those kind of people around you. Yeah. I like that you said mirrors. I was thinking of this. <laughs> it's funny how the mind works. Um, the first mummy movie with Brendan Fraser. Uh -huh. And there's that one scene where they, they move the mirrors around and like the treasure room and all of a sudden it redirects the sun and uh -huh. it lights up the whole room. And that, that image just flashed in my mind when you were talking and then you said the word mirrors and just contemplating vision and how with what we have available to us, resources, communication, technology, there's really not much that a, a person cannot do on this planet. So, I mean, I haven't really heard anybody who's come out here and fasted with us communicate a, a genuine vision from their heart, something that they saw within themselves when they were just with the quiet of themselves in the natural environment that didn't seem far-fetched or unrealistic. Even big visions, mm -hmm. everything seems achievable. I know for myself, when I'm just thinking about that inside of my own head, inside of my own world, that's when sometimes the vision feels like it gets bigger than me. And so this idea of mirrors, like arranging people, the right people at the right times, the right communities, the right groups or events that I participate in that just keep reflecting that power back to me. It's like one of the best things about having mentorship uh -huh. or a men's team or, or a support group is to have people who can believe in me before I can really before I really believe in myself uh -huh. or for those moments to supplement those moments when I don't believe in myself or doubt or fear creeps in. Because at this stage, there's really not much that I, I can't create. And, and maybe the idea that I have about what exactly it would look like adjusts or changes over time. But with the, like you were saying, with the right amount of support, the right connection, opportunity, all of it's possible. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you even if you didn't believe or really know if you could 
publish a book, there's a there's probably even many ways for that to happen and to come true. And that's that's the key there. And that's so that when we think about this conversation that we're having and speaking to men out there, it's so easy to just shut that part off because of the things that are right in front of me in my day-to-day life. It's so easy to feel overwhelmed by that when I think there's actually a fundamental shift if I start, and I've seen this a lot in you, if I start to really just focus on the thing, make the main thing the main thing mm. as, over and over again as much as I possibly can, strip away the other things that don't fit, then conversations like you had with your friend Katrina, they, they, they just start to like pr- penetrate the membrane and take it to a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, a nuance that we haven't really talked about yet, which is um, you, you can't do it all. <laughs> you can't. Even though the message out there is you can do any, you can do anything, but you really can only do one thing of anything mm. if you're going to do it well. And I've been noticing just in general, not just with the, this writing project, but just in general, just due to age and just noticing that energy is finite and there's, you know, I don't think about time in the same way I do at, you know, mid fifties. And I did when I was in my mid twenties, it's, I can feel the sense of like, life is short. And, um, and yeah, picking, picking, well, the way I said it to you the other day was like, this book project is really important. And as much as I would love to have a partner and as much as I would like to have a home that I call home and it's comfortable to live in, as much as I would like to have a, a career direction that I'm, all in with and you know feel really uh valued at um right now with the book project where it's at like those would all be taking time away from this project you know and that was sort of a like wow okay because i keep thinking sometimes like am i crazy for spending so much time on this project that's just who knows where it's going to go it's just something that's been this passion project and consumed a lot of time and maybe make decisions um that have set me up so that I have a lot of spacious distance to contribute to it. Mm, mm-hmm. But then looking at that from the flip side of like, well, I, I wouldn't be doing this project if I I'm just, if I had a regular kind of full-time job alone where I was spending 35 to 45 hours a week, not working on this book, this book would never get done. Mm. <laughs> you know, for me anyways, cause I'm not someone who's going to burn the midnight oil. Like, right. I, I like to just maintain my, you know, just general uh, well-being with my health and decisions. And so I find that kind of fun, you know, interesting too of, um, I mean, yeah, you can have it, you can, you can have it all, but there's going to be a couple of things that if you really want them to go all the way to the, the vision you have for yourself in them, there's a lot of no's mm. to that one. Yes. Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah. Uh, you're right. We haven't talked about that. So, so far is the sacrifice that needs to be made. It can often be painful. I know a lot of guys, I mean, at this point, just together, we've brought, after these guys come back, over 70 guys across that threshold. And every single one of those men coming back with greater clarity and greater vision about what they want to create in their lives, knowing that certain things are going to have to go, Um, whether it's relationships, behaviors, uh, ways of being, ways of living, um, all all of it. It's it's all got to be audited, like you were saying before. Yeah, no one comes up here saying like, yeah, my week was chill getting up here. Like, I just got on the plane and all's good. Like, no, people are like jamming to get things done. Like all the things in their lives, they're trying to get wrapped up and done so they have a week free to come out and do this. And knowing that as soon as they get back there, you get slammed right back into it. Like people's lives are full. 
and this is such a full process and you become so full with the uh, the vision of who you want to be and the life you want to create it's it's like you know you gotta start emptying cups yeah yeah that's one of the one of the big objections that i'm hearing from men more and more these days is when we tell them you know because we, we you know we tell people it's four days of solo fasting but then we say but we need you to be out here on, on off the grid with us for eight days mm-hmm. like well, wait a second you said four days and when you really think about that, we can't just scoop you up from the airport, kick you out of the van, and then pick you up four days later and send you home. Mm-hmm. There's processing and preparations and integration that needs to happen. So, But just the objection for people when they think about spending that much of their time away, I think there's just a, a fear of how could I possibly do that? And to me, it's a reflection of just how how loosely and how loosely glued together our lives actually are. Mm that to take eight days for ourselves to to really step out and and reflect and review one's life it seems like that much of a cost it's it's usually not the the time the money the resources it's 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 it well time it is time it's not money it's not all the other things it's usually how can i take that much time away from what i'm doing right so to me that suggests that each of our lives are being held together so delicately by like what if i miss a day or two or three or eight that everything will just fall apart yeah you know it's funny that i was just thinking like if someone was planning to take an eight-day vacation and the vacation company calls you and says oh actually it's like a four-day vacation he'd be like what (laughs) (laughs) i want eight days you know and Uh which makes you think about like you know i think a lot of people or my perception anyways, just based on my own path, look at vacations as a reward for for just working so hard, built like just, you know, like this is a reward mm-hmm. to take that kind of time off. And something like this isn't seen so much as a reward, it's seen more of a, as like work maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm finding as I do this process more often, I mean, I've done three rites of passages, but I've gone out to fast ceremonially, I think like seven times now over the last 20 years. And every time it's, it starts to feel more and more like, I don't know if I'd say a vacation, but um, like desirable, it's desirable. Like I'm, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to coming out and spending this kind of time away and and just minimizing, you know, not, not living vacations you tend to like you know the, the pocketbook's open it's like let's just do it all see everything just drafting meals nice motel rooms and out here it's it's like the opposite it's like the other side of you know just to keep talking about mirrors it's like the other side of the mirror which is like how much can i strip away and just be in the essence of beingness and get in touch with the self-love around just recognizing that i'm you know i'm i'm just look at me Mm-hmm. I'm this amazing like thing walking around on the surface of the planet, aware, conscious, present to all the just the magnificence that's just in nature before mm-hmm. humans decided to make anything out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, like to take that kind of getting back down to that awe and wonder and kind of just the, the mystery, this, the, the foundations of how life even exists on this earth, let alone humans, and kind of bring that back into your 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 normal world. That's to me like you're, you know, when people go out to do this process and they come back and they go home, 
they're bringing this back with them. People can feel it. They, they don't be, maybe they can't name it or, you know, really understand what it is, but there is an eminence that's coming off of the men who come back from this place because mm. they've got the dust of the desert on them, you know, and the yeah. voice of the, of the mountains that's coming through the, the, you know, it's like they're shifted mm-hmm. and that's a gift for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I think of the word vacation. First of all, most people I, I hear go on vacation. They come home. And they're exhausted. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's, it's so ironic, is right? Like most people talk about vacation as relaxing, reflecting, you know, but so many people come back and they're like, oh, I need a vacation for my vacation. <laughs> and so I wonder how much people are really getting from that time. Mm. And obviously it's broad strokes. Everybody does vacation differently. But how much are you actually getting that's helping you in your life by taking a week to go wherever you're going? in comparison to an experience like Compass or an experience of immersion. So instead of vacating, the, ocu- the opposite would be occupying. Right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Instead of a vacation, it's occupation. Right? <laughs> what does it look like to <laughs> occupy your life instead of to vacate it right, and escape right. from it, to dive deeper into it? I, I get it. I mean, it's, it's not in, in the mind. The ego isn't really excited about sleeping on the ground under the stars without food for four days and four nights. I, I get that. But there's... I, th- I believe there's just so much more of a reward mm-hmm. from doing that instead of having a few days of enjoying some daiquiris and hanging out by the pool and getting sunburned and then eating too much at dinner and then coming home and feeling like, hmm, uh, now I got to get back to the gym. Now I gotta, yeah, yeah. It's like, what, which one is really moving you forward in your life? Yeah, what's coming to me is, is like, what's more valuable? Is it living a rewarding life or rewarding yourself for the life you lived? Yeah, uh, let's go back half a step because I was just, you're asking me, or we were talking about me and just like building support to do the vision and stuff. And then you were speaking about um, just kind of what that looks like in different ways. You know, Rising Man is such a great example of having an idea that you were chatting about to a few people probably. And now, six years later, seven years? Yeah, five, six at least. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, you know, it's, People know about it. It's, there's a lot. There's what six or seven programs. Um, there's over a hundred and some men involved in various levels of participation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, I would I think it'd be great for people to hear a little bit about how you use that same idea of enrolling support to get to this place with your vision of this program. Yeah. Well, something I've learned about vision is that it's fluid. It's dynamic. To me, vision is actually feminine in in its purest form, right? Like I think of vision like almost like a dream where it it can can change from one minute to the next. Um, The implementation of a vision, like the execution of a vision is very masculine, right? That's like nuts and bolts and spreadsheets and diagrams and strategy. But vision itself is very fluid. And when I went out and fasted in 2014, I didn't come back and say, I'm going to create a, an international movement for men and, and we're going to incorporate rites of passage. But, but I knew that part of my work was to help support men getting more familiar with every aspect of our lives, especially the shadow side. That was what I was, what I came out of from my vision fast with was not only I need to start being more familiar with all aspects of myself. I really need to look at myself and then I need to encourage other men around me to do the same. Mm. 
And that was back in 2014. The first episode of this podcast was published in spring of 2018. So there was four years in there where I was just gathering resources, gathering experiences, spending a lot of time meditating, exercising, diving deeper into understanding rites of passage and learning how to support in those ceremonies and in those communities, deeper into men's work and how to lead men. And and then somehow at some point it formulated into a new form of a vision, right? That, that vision evolved over several steps actually. Because originally I thought, when you were, you were a big part of this from the beginning, I thought we were just gonna do this work with teenagers. Mm. And then we did this work with teenagers and we said, <laughs> hell no, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I think it was hell no and not yet. Yeah. <laughs> and realizing that we needed to, um, we needed to create a generation of initiated men first that could receive these boys who were looking for that. Yeah. And that's really what Rising Man was, was born from. And then even within the past five years, Rising Man has evolved so much from just wanting to have the conversation about what it means to be a man to now actually how do we support men in really taking that on and creating what that looks like for themselves. So, oh gosh, I mean, so many conversations with so many people. I mean, we've logged hundreds of hours, you and I, in the past seven, eight years of, mm-hmm. of just what Rising Man is and how it's evolving. Um, lots of attempts and successes and failures and you know i was reflecting on this particularly this week because in my life it's been very challenging there's been a lot of transition in my life in the past couple of years but yeah let's pause there so this is actually this is a, a, almost like an exact black and white situation because where i don't really have anything mm-hmm. to contend with and pursue my visions you've got a family you've got kids you've got you know you don't have mm-hmm. a mortgage but you've you know you're basically providing for your family a certain way that you want to make them feel good. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot extra in there. And, uh, you know, and thinking about it. So how does somebody, mm-hmm. you know, as you could, as you continue to talk, just what were the struggles with trying to balance life with a sure. family, with your pursuit and vision? You know? Well, I, I would retort back that it, they're just different obstacles. Uh, You've had your own, I've had mine. And I think mine are the ones that a lot of guys have out there, you know, family relationship, all the other stuff. Um, ultimately it's been deciding it's, it's been re-enrolling myself in the vision over and over. I think they say, uh, 80% of small businesses and startups fail within the first year. And even just taking that out of a business context, I, I wonder what the percentages and data would be about visions, mm. how many visions <laughs> fail or get scrapped and tossed into the garbage can after a year or two years. Most of them probably don't even make it that far. Maybe mm-hmm. they're just dreams that never even take those first few steps. So ultimately it's been just enrolling myself over and over again. A lot of that has been support from guys like you, other people in my life who just encouraged me along the way. I, I swear, some I say this on when on the podcast all the time, but how many times I've gotten a message from somebody that I don't even know who just says, man, I've been listening to the podcast for two years and that last episode just totally hit home for me and I just had an amazing conversation with my father for the first time in 20 years and that just just all these different fuel sources that help me keep going it's also just surrounding myself with those those mirrors like the hall of mirrors those relationships that remind me of who I am um starting with my wife you know I mean just to be able to to do what I've done it wouldn't be possible if I had a partner who wasn't all into 
the first time that we came out here, the first round of Compass back in, was it spring of 2019? Mm. She was nine months pregnant with our, with my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hiking up this canyon and getting into base camp with you and being like, Sean, I might have a second <laughs> child right now. And, and not only that, I might be a father for the second time and soon to be divorced because my wife is going to kill me. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just and, and so many of those relationships and moments that have just reminded me along the way. I mean, now that you asked me about it, just really reviewing, there's been so many of those times where just a little bit has just kept me going. Um, well, I'm curious about you because you said, you know, re- re-enrolling yourself. And this, that's one of those kind of ideas that um, I'm like, well, so how do you, you know, how do you do, how do you do that? Mm. What does that look like? Because I know for myself, there's a lot of times where I find myself in those days where I'm just, I just don't have it in me. Yeah. I don't want to. And I have, a, I have a Netflix day, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, fuck it, I can't, I can't, I won't, I'm done. Mm. And then um, I'm getting better, but I, it would take me a long time to reach out, which is usually mm-hmm. one of the big first steps. But sometimes I would just get lucky and someone would call me mm-hmm. and be like, dude, what's, what's up? Where you at? You missed a call or whatever. <laughs> like, oh shit, you know? And, and, um, and then other, like everyone has their strategies, but specifically for you, I'm just curious, like how, how does re-enrolling look like for you? Like, what are your strategies? What do you do? Mm, that's a really good question. The simplest one for me is picking up the phone, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I've gotten a lot better at doing myself. Uh, I think I've been naturally just pretty good at that over the years because uh, I know who to call when I need a kick in the butt. I know who to call when I need somebody who's just going to say, hey, man, I know it's hard, but could you really wake up tomorrow and and throw all of this away? Could you really do that? I've got men in my life who, even if they don't answer their phone, I just hear their voice on their voicemail. I know what they're going to say to me because I've, I've been in a relationship with them for that long. Guys like you, you know? And that's a big part of it. You know, I also, one of the advantages I do have, even if it's an extra, on, on one hand, it's an extra obstacle, it's just my children. I go home, especially my son. You know, I look at Sitka, he's seven now. I think to myself, man, if I gave up now, what, he might—he won't have any of this. Because if he doesn't see me doing it, if he doesn't see me making it matter, why would he? Uh-huh. Why would he decide to do that? So a lot of times it's looking outside of myself because the times where I want to give up, it's all about me. It's because I'm tired. It's because something didn't work out. It's because my finances are tight for that month or whatever, right? It's something that's making my existence uncomfortable synonymous with like having a splinter in my finger right it's like the instinct is to get it out so in those times in my life whatever the circumstances are it's like my body and my ego is just saying ah get me out of this situation so whether it's a conversation or even you know i have i have reminders everywhere in my life i have a little um it's a little wooden uh, artifact that one of the elders in our community, Cap Young, made for me that has my name on it and my mission in, in life. And I look at that and I'm like, oh, yeah, I just I see things like that every day. Um, so I guess like, if we want to stay on, on brand with the metaphor, <laughs> there's these little mirrors that I've put up in my life. And I know which ones to look into at this point. Um, and sometimes they're also like emergency mirrors that I set up for myself that I really don't want to look at, but I, I can't help but do that. You know, like um, maybe think of it as a fail safe where uh, I think of my men's team, for example, you know, I know 
they're counting on me to be there in, in two weeks. And if I'm not there, they don't hear from me. I'm going to get a call. <laughs> and not only a call, he's be like, where the hell are you? What are you doing? So at minimum, <laughs> right? I could disappear for up to two weeks, max. <laughs> and then I've got someone reeling me back in. Um, so yeah, it's different versions of that. And then I guess, because there are times where I could even just, I can hide out with the best of them. <laughs> you know, we're all, we all can re- be really good at that. I think it's just the having done that routine, that 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 dance over the years of like, oh, I just want to lean away from this. I want to lean away. I want to get more comfortable, and then like calling myself back in. That's just a practice. That's just having done it over and over again over the years. So, yeah. Well, let's let's stick in that a little bit too because I'm mm-hmm. curious. Um, so. This is nice. I was hoping you were going to end up interviewing me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nobody ever does. (laughs) My plan. So when you, you know, what you just said about like, uh, actually, I don't remember how you said it, but something about calling yourself back. Mm -hmm. You know, what is it? What do you usually find it is that if you, you know, if you don't get that call in or you know, whatever, it just you don't get what you need in that moment of re-enrollment from outside and it does come back around. What do you feel like is usually the, the tenets or the principles or the passions that first, that kind of really spark you back to like, oh, mm. you know, what is it that really, really says, I do want to do this, even though this mm. thing right now seems insurmountable? Well, what just came to my mind is sometimes it's thinking way into the future. Mm-hmm like on my deathbed, you know, my last few years of life, looking back and saying, when, when I literally can't do anything about it anymore. And would I be able to live with myself if I just mailed it in? Or if I threw in the towel and just lived a conventional life? That's one. The other is because I've, I, I've, I've kind of built up this leverage around myself, you know, on, on one hand, sometimes it feels like a lot of heavy pressure, but it's also a like a secret sauce because mm-hmm. I know that there's people counting on me to live my life at a certain standard. There's people who are, who are looking to me. I know that um, an example, I know that I'm a role model for people at, at minimum, my children and my nieces and nephews. So I don't want to let them down. And I think about that. I think about, okay, so I'm human. Yes. I'm going to have my Netflix days just like you. Yes. I'm going to have moments where I want to give up, but overall, Am I am I choosing to lean back in? Am I am I gonna uh, just put in a little extra effort and lift that weight a little bit higher so that somebody else can see what that looks like, or someone else won't have to do as much of the heavy lifting? And I believe that we all have that in us somewhere. I really do. I believe that every single one of us wants to do that on behalf of other people. I think it's wired into our DNA. Some of us may be more connected to it than others, but I've always kind of been that way that I I want to do my best for other people. Mm. So there's just reminding myself of the values that I have. And I don't don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, I don't want to be, I want to be walking my talk. Mm. I don't want to be saying a bunch of things on the podcast and then living my life as this, you know, reclusive hedonistic version of myself that, that I can be if I let (laughs) myself, if I let myself go. So, um, yeah, I think I've just kind of built up a lot of leverage Mm -hmm. around myself Mm -hmm. and, um, 
the key to that for me has been not expecting that I'm always going to be perfect because that's when it can, that's, that's when the, the plummet from that standard can be really, really painful if I fall. Yeah. So that's yeah. the balance. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Good to hear all that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Cause yeah. it's kind of funny. I was thinking before we started recording here today, I thought at some point, maybe you would ask me some questions and just kind of <laughs> follow through with that. But it's great. You know, it really gets me thinking about how, um, cause I, I realize how much I take for granted, how much I take for granted of just how long I've been doing this for, how long I've been chipping away at my vision. And even I said that out loud, you know, the first time we brought a compass group out here in 2019 and I'm like, it feels like a long time ago, but it's really almost, it's like three and a half years ago. Right. So even that first group of men who came through, who caught a vision out here and have been incorporating that ever since, they're still just getting started. Like mm-hmm. three and a half years into my incorporation, Rising Men didn't even exist yet. So just, I think that's the other piece that I really want to speak about right now is just how much of a long game incorporation really is. And having a vision and implementing it it's not it's not the fast lane at all it's not and it can't be and i mean you're an even better example of that than i am because you first fasted in 1998 right we're 24 years into your you know essentially into your incorporation with Uh different chapters along the way so maybe you turning the spotlight back to you speaking to long range incorporation because I know that that's been an up and down journey for you too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what can I say about that? You know, I, I did start out kind of on the you know semi traditional path. Uh, I you know spent the first twenty, almost twenty five years of my life doing motion graphics and computer animation. I was living in Hollywood and making good money and doing a lot of fun things. Had bands, did a little acting. I was kind of you know really doing it all and on on the uh sidetrack of that i was also learning how to do rites of passage work and you know through condor clan and training and learning how to take people out and i just it really just came to a point where in 98 i actually it's interesting i should go to that journal and look up what my power statement was from then Mm. i'd be very curious to read it um and i think a lot of the times what happens for me anyways is and I think for anyone is, you know, when you focus up on that vision of the self you want to be in a, in a given moment, it's like a, it's like a little, it's just, it's a, it's a speck of time on the timeline. And it may seem clear to you in that moment of that context of that time of where you are in your life, but then it's, it's a living thing. Like a, I feel like a, a vision, a self vision is a living thing. It's, it changes as you go, not necessarily, I wouldn't say change it, it, it it becomes more clear, I guess. It refines like an old, like an, like a wine. It just kind of ages. It gets better with time, and things become revealed. Have become revealed to me that when I'm like, oh, oh, I thought it was going. I thought this was what it was going to be based on what I was perceiving. Mm-hmm. This vision of self, but now that I've got more experience and have made different choices, it's it's like it's another version. It's a cleaner, more concise, more more um, focused version of that and it's uh similar to what i was saying earlier with really it's about the transition from saying yes to everything 
to say no to everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and um, realizing that at, at a certain point in my life, incorporation was all about uh, coming to a place where, I mean, I did I never thought that I was, <laughs> so this is great too, because I've said this before. So the last two years I've been living in a yurt in Santa Cruz, down at the bottom of this like little slope and a shade line. It's been, you know, it's cold in the winters there. Uh, I'm like, I don't have a view. It's kind of dark and shady. I haven't had a job. Don't have a partner. I haven't been having sex. It's just like <laughs> on the surface, it's not been a great life. Mm. And I was really going through a lot of grieving actually thinking like, fuck, I'm 55 and wow, this is my life. How did this, how did this train wreck happen? And I started reflecting back on like, wow, had I known at age 25 when I really started to kind of get out in the world really fully on my own and I started making decisions uh, based on a certain you know, vision of what I wanted my life to look like, you know, I'll do A, then B, then C, and then I'll be able to do D and then E and then F. And then, you know, but thinking about like retirement age, that what my life was going to look like. And and here I am edging up to that time and it looks nothing, nothing like that at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, completely like, wow, who would have thunk it? And so once I kind of got through the grieving part, I was like, wow, isn't that interesting? Um, this situation I'm in right now is, is the sum result of all my decision making of the last 35 years as, as an adult. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And getting into a place where I'm reflecting back on what incorporation has really meant and reflection and thinking about what a power, what a uh, power statement or that, that vision, that sort of short mantra we have men come up and create for themselves um, as the person they want to be in life and seeing that, you know, just kind of moving into the, into the spiritual realm a little bit that, There's all these uh, little jokes about like God laughs while we, we make plans and other little, you know, things, sayings like that. And I really get it now. It's like I, there's part of me that realizes I don't have to be consuming my, th- all my thinking, I keep me like, I don't have to be dealing with the, result, the results of my plan, mm-hmm. right? I have no control over the results, even though that's, I feel like that's how we, especially men, we're, we're tend to brought up thinking, like, hey, it's on us. Like, we got to get the jobs so we can provide for our families so we can have the, you know, take our families on the vacations and make sure our wives feel good about who they are and support them doing their thing and take care of our families, extended families and blah, 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 all this stuff, you know. And, uh, and some, you know, some people can do that. We talked about this the other day too, like looking at the Elon Musks of the world and, and being like, wow, how does one guy do all that stuff? Seems like he kind of knew how to make plans. But then in other realms, such as my life, I'm realizing that it's not about focusing on the results of the plans. It's, it's focusing on the the day-to-day result of, you know, can I look back on my day and say, I lived a day as the man I want to be mm. today, <clears throat> you know, and that I'm not compromising myself or making sacrifices on my values and standards in hopes of them resulting in some, outcome down the road mm. that I don't have control over, that I really don't have control over. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think for me, the driving factor now is, uh, 
for instance, in, in my my vision of myself right now, um, I identify my strengths as being intuitive, being curious, a good listener, and being creative. And I know that if I can find ways every day to be in at least in one, or ideally all four of experiencing those in moments where I'm my curiosity is up, you know, in a conversation with a friend, or my intuition's up, where I'm really trying to, you know, just be in my uh, not looking at facts and figures and being intellectual, but just really being into the feeling into like, what is the connection, the relationship here mm-hmm. or listening, just really paying attention to what someone else is, you know, sharing with me or just listening. This isn't a, as a concept around like paying attention to what's going on in the world and the creativity of like designing, you know, designing my life mm-hmm. and having an active hand in and enjoying the process that I can create. And if I do one or more of those things every day at some points, then I, the result I experience myself as is being a confident, joyful, wholehearted man, which is what I claimed to be seven years ago that I wanted to live into. So I, and, and that's, you know, I don't want to be a joyful, wholehearted, confident man 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. Like I want to be that today. I want to be that right now. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's, you know, the incorporation process has been just looking at that, you know, what needs to be removed from my life in order for there to be space for those, for those four things to show up, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I used to, I, mean, I was used to be really busy yeah. and a lot of it was fun, but I wasn't thinking consciously about what I was bringing to the world. Mm-hmm. Like I am now, it was more about what's the world bringing to me. And that was, that's a, that was a big flip, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I always think about, I've had mentors over the years talk to me about the difference between process and results Mm. and, and and focusing my attention on being a more process oriented person than a results driven person. Mm. And I've even heard myself say that over the years to encourage men to be more focused on your process, on the process than the results, you know, it's the journey, not the destination. But in reality, I think both are important. Think about if, if I put on my GPS and I'm navigating somewhere I've never been before, the the GPS highlights the the milestones, right? Mm-hmm. The little the turns in the journey, which I think of as the results. You know, those could be achievements throughout my life, the the bullet points. Where, I, but if I'm if in between those two points, I'm driving all over the place, you know, and I'm off the road, then it's 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 really not a smooth a smooth ride. It's it's taking me off my course. It's ping-ponging around and so I think both are actually really important Mm -hmm. and being that person every day because today may not be the day where we initiate a whole generation of men (laughs) that's a result (laughs) right that's something I look back on and say all right how do we do that's that's further down the road that's 12 steps ahead from where we are now but am I being who I want to be today that will reflect a good journey at the end that's the biggest question. And I have that in my focus right now too, is regardless of what I chose to do today, regardless of how I navigated my life in these last 24 hours, when I lay down and I check in with myself, am I, am I happy with the life that I live today? Am I, am I content? Am I satisfied? Did I, did I live a good life today? Did I do my best today? And letting that be my checkpoint. Yeah. Well, I would even say that you know, with the, the, the vision of rising man, when you go to bed at night, it could even be as distinct as was, was a man who was living life today, the man 
who is, you know, capable of initiating a whole generation of men, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if you can go to bed with a yes, yes, I was, then in a sense, that mission's already accomplished, you know, sort mm -hmm. of in a nonlinear, you know, temporal way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, if you're able to pass on that standard and those teachings of what you're accruing, <clears throat> you know, with wisdom of just how, to, how, how, what does it take to become a man who could have that potential mm -hmm. and handing that off to other men, then, you know, and sons and their sons, then that makes the vision actually, you know, possible. Yeah. Yeah. And last thought that I have, and then I guess we can start to wrap it up is, uh, especially over the past, um, six months since I've lived in Austin before that too, but especially in these last six months, moving to a completely new place, new people who may have heard about me before or listened to the podcast before, but didn't really know me. I'm getting so many more reflections about people just appreciating the way that I am mm. in, in interactions, you know, just conversations, just ca casual too, you know, whether it's like a workout that we're doing together <laughs> or just people I run into socially so many more reflections of people just saying, wow, just like just in one way or another, appreciating the way that I show up, appreciating the way that I am, watching how I am with my family, with my wife, with my kids, the way that I am present in conversation with them and, and genuinely interested in them. And that means so much more to me than the bullet points that I can put on my resume or the achievements that I can notch on my belt from over the years. I, I really mean that too. Like th those are the things that I really care about. And you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the life, at the end of my life, that's what is going to matter most to me mm -hmm. is how people experience me on a day-to-day -day basis and how I experience myself day-to-day. -day. The achievements are cool, of course. You know, I think it's important to have those targets to shoot for because if not, then I would really wouldn't know what I was doing with <laughs> every, myself every day. But I found that that's more and more what I really value. Yeah, I've been thinking more of my, <clears throat> the missions I've had in the past about what I want to achieve is becoming more of side effects, mm -hmm. side effects, mm -hmm. you know, the side of things that, <clears throat> things that happen as, um, because of who I am, you know, I'm not who I am because of the mission. Mm -hmm. and that's helped me just, uh, stay, stay focused on the value of, of being who I want to be in an authentic way every day. Cause you know, the truth is. He may not, we may, you know, he may not have tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We just don't know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Well, pretty cool that we got to do this out here in this place that we love so much. Yeah. With men doing the work and actually sharing this this message and context. Um, I love being out here with you, man. I really appreciate who you are and all the support that you've lent towards my vision over the years. And it feels really great to have a brother like you on the path to create what we want to see in the world thank you feels the same brother it just uh <clears throat> it's amazing uh, the journey we've been able to take as friends since i met you in 2013 actually is when i met you yeah, yeah. end of 2012 end of 2012 mm -hmm. yeah wow 10 years <clears throat> mm -hmm. yeah so what a privilege and blessing and yeah feels like a, a good brotherhood between us and just creating this together with you has been awesome so thank you well, more to come. Yeah, absolutely. More to come, man. All right, y'all. Make sure you swing over to risingman.org to get all the latest information on our offerings, our dates for events going into next year, and your opportunity to apply for one of our spots in Compass coming up in 2023. 
Please subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast, as well as to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Rising Man Movement. Big love to everybody out there who's been checking out the YouTube channel. We're getting a lot more love there these days. Appreciate you guys checking it out. Head over there, subscribe, like it up, share it with your people. And thank you. Thank you for your support in all ways for this movement, helping us grow, sharing your messages of support and encouragement. It really helps us to sustain that inner fire. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.